One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, tonight I want to talk to you about being a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a new creature, the likes of which has never existed, has never um, walked on the earth ever before. And there's an element of that that is unique to every person in here. Every one of you are unique. There's no reason to try to copy each other, try to outdo each other, try to, um, you know, you, na you name it inside the church. If there's a competition in it, that's a problem. There's also a problem if you actually don't walk in the authority and the power and the uniqueness uh, and what I'm really talking about here is your true identity in Christ. Every individual has a true identity in Christ. Um, the, the Bible says that, that, you, that your true identity was written in the books of heaven before the foundation of the earth. Okay, The book of Ecclesiastes actually also says that destiny is hidden in the heart of a man and only Christ can reveal it. Okay? And so when you connect the dots and when you get the when you start getting the revelation that there's a uniqueness of what the Lord has called you to you have to discover that and that comes in the relationship with Christ and dependence on hearing him you can you can actually read the bible learn about god you can learn about the principles of god and and god in generalities but there is a unique thing specific to you that can only be discovered and stepped into when you begin to hear the Lord speak. Because when the Lord begins to speak to you, what you really are, he, his, his intent is to reveal you as a son, to reveal you as a daughter. And, and Paul describes that element in, in 2, 2 Corinthians 5.17 when it says that you are a new creature. The old has passed away. The old thing no longer exists. Powerless doesn't exist. Sin doesn't exist. Death doesn't exist. You see, when you enter Christ, sin loses. Death has been defeated, right? Does the Bible not say that Christ on the cross descended into hell, conquered sin and death, conquered, con he took the keys. Now he has all keys and he ascended, right? He ascended to give gifts to men, to, to, to his sons and daughters, to reveal his sons and daughters. That not only would Christ walk in victory, but his sons and daughters would rule in the authority and power of Christ on earth as ambassadors, as representatives of Christ, as, the, as an extension of the arm and legs of Christ on earth, that you will be his arms, you will be his feet, you will be his eyes, you will be his mouth, you will be his sensitive soul and compassion for men. You become Christ on earth, okay? And so the reason it's important and absolutely 
absolutely imperative that you become, that you discover who you are in Christ by hearing him and that you become what you are in Christ through the authority of Christ. And the authority of Christ can only function through hearing his voice, okay? In general, you can have an understanding that, that um, you know, Jesus, Jesus won and you're granted authority, but if you don't function in the fullness of you being a, an extension of that authority, then you'll essentially still live a powerless life, still a victim of sin, still a victim of death, still a victim of powerlessness, still a victim of depression, hopelessness, despair, still a victim of fear, and you can name it on down the list. So my question to you tonight, are you still a victim? Or are you in the victory demonstrating the power and authority of Christ on earth? Because the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you pray reveals what you really are. It reveals what you really believe. I was working with a group of people. Um, actually, last night, I was, I was uh, working with a team. There's probably about 25, 30 people in the room. And uh, so they, they started to talk. They started to ask me questions about how to pray. And I said, well, you know, do you have anybody who's on your heart? Is there anybody here that needs healing? Anybody that you know? Any relatives? Um, that are in dire need, a bad situation. A couple of people raised their hand. And I said, well, why don't you pray for them and then we'll, we'll kind of help you. And they, the, the one person, the one lady, she started out her prayer. She goes, God, if it's your will, we just pray that, that Bob, Bob will be healed. And um, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, you can't, that, that's a religious prayer, if it's your will. Do you not know that the, that the New Testament actually reveals that it's the will of God that people will be saved, that people will be healed? Is not the testimony of Christ that anybody they brought in front of them, right? Um, in in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, it says that they brought the lame, the sick, the demonized, and they were all healed. And that's the story. Everywhere Jesus went, they were healed. They were delivered. He cast out demons. They were People were in awe of the power and authority of Christ. Even the Pharisees, they said, who is this guy? He speaks with authority, right? And so the evidence or the essence of that authority, um, it says that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. That's John 5.19. So if Jesus only did what he saw his father do, and he went and he prayed for people, he cast demons out of people, did he not have revealed to him that he was to go to the next city, the next town, that he was to go to the woman at the well, that he was to go to the demoniac chained to the tombs in Mark 5, that he was specifically to go there because the vision of the Lord sent him there under an authority to do exactly that. And so, you know, we started to talk about the fact um, of the contrast and the difference between people bound in powerless religion. And that, at the end of the day, that's one of the key evidences. Are you in religion or are you in the Holy Spirit? If you're in religion, there's powerless. There are no miracles. There are no people getting healed. You don't testify. You don't talk. You're speechless. You're, you, you're actually in a um, deceived 
form of acceptance. Just come to the altar, say you believe in Jesus, sit in the pew for the next 50 years, and you don't have to do nothing. That's the, that's the ultimate lie of the devil. That's what religion is. It's a lie from the devil. And powerlessness, hopeless, and fear, those are the key evidences of a person not baptized in the Holy Ghost, not immersed in the Spirit, hearing the voice of God, and doing and executing where the Lord is sending you. So just as Jesus heard the Father's voice and went and did the supernatural, He actually demonstrated how you are a new creature in Christ, right? And so we started to expose religion in this group. We started to expose the fact that you've accepted a form of powerlessness when actually you are supposed to walk in the victory and power of Christ, okay? And so it takes us back to the need of having the revelation of the cross and what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross. Because there's a lot of false theology out there. Just come as you are, come to the altar, say you believe, and that's it. And that's so far from the truth, it's not even funny. At the end of the day, if you are not in purpose, if you are not walking in the authority of Christ, you're, you're in perversion. You, you have a perverted theology. You have a powerless form of, of uh, what you call Christian because powerless and Christian should never be in the same sentence. Christians are anointed. They have an oil on them. They have a mark on them. And we'll talk about that um, here in a few minutes. But at the end of the day, you have to have a revelation of the cross and what Christ accomplished on the cross. Okay. Luke 24, 44, it says that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. The prophets are pretty easy to understand that the Lord spoke through men and prophesied that a savior would come. Why would a savior need to come? Okay. You know why the savior needed to come? Because the law was given. The law of Moses. Do you know why the law of Moses was given? It's because the people refused to ascend the mountain of God. Now think about this. Because there, there's, a, there's symbolism in what I'm going to explain to you. The Lord awakened a deliverer. His name was Moses, right? Moses, you're going to go confront Pharaoh. You're going to do a supernatural thing. I'm going to be with you because you have met me. I have revealed myself to you. We have talked face to face. You know that I'm with you and I'm going to lead you to do a supernatural thing. I'm going to take you in front of Pharaoh. I'm going to take you in front of Satan's spawn. I'm going to lead you to speak to him, command that the people are left go. And, and, and you know the story, right? Moses, Moses goes in front of Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship Almighty God. And the word worship actually is the word relate. It's actually a connection. It's a heart-to-heart -heart connection that he would hear them and they would, he, they would hear the Lord and the Lord would hear them, right? Well, maybe, maybe you don't know that, but that ultimately is the purpose and the intent that the Lord wanted to have a personal relationship with all of them, not just Moses. He awakened a deliverer to go get them. But his intent that all of them, just like Moses, would have face-to-face -face interaction and encounter with him. And so, this, you know the story. Um, they escape Egypt. They, they escape um, 
and and you know they're they're in uh, they're they're in the promised land, and or I'm sorry, they're not in the promised land that they escape and they're they're uh, walking through the wilderness. In Exodus chapter twenty, Moses ascends the mountain. Uh, the mountain is a symbol of interacting with the Lord face to face. Right, Moses was actually sent down the mountain with the intent of bringing the nation to meet God. You know what the nation did? The people refused. They did not ascend. Okay? And because they did not ascend to interact with God, they became a victim of sin. They became a victim of the separation. And that's what sin means. It's actually not the behavior. You know, pornography is a behavior. Uh, Sexual sin is a behavior. Theft is a behavior. Killing people is a behavior. And those are all outcrops of one thing. The separation from Almighty God. Because at the end of the day, the Lord wanted the whole nation to ascend the mountain to meet Him face to face, but they refused. Okay? And so when they refused, the Lord was left with no choice. He gave Moses the law. He gave, he gave him the Ten Commandments. Okay, and he gave them a way to temporarily stave off the sin of man because they would not ascend and meet him. Okay, so when the law is given, the law has a set of conditions. And the intent and purpose of the law is actually to reveal the need of a savior. The law, Paul talks in Romans, in the book of Romans, that the intent of the law is not to save, but to reveal. He said it was holy, but it could not save. He actually um, says in uh, Hebrews chapter eight, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to read this uh, Hebrews chapter eight, starting with verse seven. He's talking about why the need of the new covenant. He says, for if the first covenant which is the law, the Ten Commandments, if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second, meaning the new covenant. There would be no need for a new covenant if the old was sufficient. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. So now the Lord is prophesying that what the new would bring. So he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their minds And write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, what does that mean? When the Lord says, when the Lord starts to prophesy that when the new covenant comes, his law would be in their heart. The word law in the Hebrew uh, in the Hebrew language is the word Torah. If you study the word Torah, there's actually a root word that supplies the Torah which supplies um, what is actually written. And that root word is actually, it actually means the word river. It actually means a flow, a continuous life 
that comes into the people. The Lord says that the flow of life, the flow of the Spirit of God would actually be in your heart. I will plant it there. So whenever you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, there is a flow, there is an opportunity for you to embrace the fact that all the Lord ever wants or all He ever wanted was continual face-to-face interaction and relationship, that He would hear you and you would hear Him, that you would be dependent on the river and not dependent on trying to meet the conditions. If you have a mentality that you're trying to stop sinning, if you're trying to stop the pornography, if you're trying to stop the fornication, if you're trying to stop stealing, if you're trying to stop, that's actually a conviction of a condition because you're not settled and dependent on the flow of the voice. Life comes from the face-to-face relationship with the Lord. And that ultimately is what the victory of Christ accomplished, okay? The victory of Christ says this, that Jesus, it says that Jesus, um, before he ascended, it says he descended. He descended into hell. That, that's if Ephesians um, chapter 1 and 2. It's, it says that Jesus descended into hell. He took the keys. Um, in, in Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, in Revelation chapter one, it says that Jesus holds the keys of death. Okay. So not only does Jesus hold the keys of life, but he holds the keys of death. A key is a symbol of authority. A key is a symbol of all power, all things. Everything has been given to Christ, right? So Jesus holds all keys. Satan holds zero keys. Jesus holds all keys. Jesus took from Satan the ability to embound and keep people bound in death and sin. That's the victory of Christ. That is the power of the new covenant. And that is why the law, the old covenant, was powerless to save man. Because Jesus, there was a need of a savior, one who could actually enter into hell and take the authority and keys back from Satan so that now Jesus would hold all authority and all power, right? That's what the book of Revelation is. It's actually about the revelation of the victory of Christ over Satan as Jesus Christ leads the saints in the, in the war against the evil one, okay? And so why is that important? Because unless you rev- have a revelation of the victory of the cross is not just about the conditions and the behaviors of sin. It's actually to take you back to the mountain and the invitation that the Lord gave the nation of Israel. Right? The nation of Israel is a symbol of you, the people, the, the nations that, that are now given the opportunity to come just as Israel was to come up the mountain of God through Christ because Christ fulfilled the law and the prophets. Why is that important? Why is the, the victory of Christ important and, and the fullness of what Jesus accomplished on the Christ uh, on the cross important to you? Because in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, um, I think it's verse 9 and 10. It's Jesus, the, the, the writer, Paul, begins to speak and talk about the, the powerlessness of the old covenant. 
Do you know the if if the conditions of the law had the ability to save you, there would be no need for a savior. That should give you a revelation of how powerful Jesus Christ is. You can try to follow those ten commandments, but in in uh, in, in Hebrews chapter nine, uh, verse nine and ten, it actually says that it could the conditions could not cleanse the conscience. Meaning that sin, the weight of sin, the weight of death, the weight of eternal hell was still there. Okay? And only the blood of Christ has the power to cleanse the conscience. Why is that important? Because if you connect it back to Hebrews 8, chapter, um, chapter 8, uh, verse 7 to 10, it talks about the Lord prophesying that he would put his law, his river, he would put his flowing voice, his, the power of the Holy Spirit, he would put it in your heart and his people would learn to tap into the Lord face to face. They would know his voice, right? So only the perfect blood of Jesus has the power to make you new. And so you ask the question, or I, I'm asking the question, why is it that so many people who claim to be Christians pray in such a powerless manner. It's because they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know that they are a new creature. Why do so many people just go sit in a pew? Why do so many people um, go into church and come out just as convicted, just as powerlessly and continuously convicted? Listen, if you are, there, there's, a, there's a need to be convicted because ultimately, Paul says the conviction of the conditions of the law, the Ten Commandments, should cause you to fall on your face and cry out, I need to meet you face to face. I need to know the Savior. I need to know the one who conquered sin and death, right? Who conquered um, brokenness and shame and fear and everything that I cannot conquer on my own. And so when a person truly cries out, something happens. Something happens and it's connected back to the story of Jesus Christ first descending into hell. Because when Jesus Christ descended into hell, he actually, if you can picture Jesus basically stepping into the devil's domain, he walked on the devil's property. He walked into the deepest, darkest places that exist and he looked Satan in the eye. And he took the keys. He took the keys of sin and he took the keys of death. And now no longer does sin influence those who are in Christ. Now no longer does death influence those who are in Christ. Now no longer does fear influence those who are in Christ. Now no longer does powerlessness influence those who are in Christ. Why? Because that was only part of the mission. Jesus descending into hell to take the keys of death and sin was only part of the mission. He was, he, he, it says that he then was resurrected. Okay, all this is happening in the three days in the tomb. Okay, in the resurrection, Jesus actually enters symbolically into the earth as a new creature. He was Dependent on the Holy Spirit to resurrect him. Do you realize that? Jesus went to the cross, willingly gave up the ghost. He gave up his life, trusting fully that the Holy Spirit 
would resurrect him. And that's symbolic of us having to depend and trust and expect in the flowing waters of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always lead you in the dark places in the earth for you to take the keys of death and hell out of the hand of Satan, trusting in the Holy Ghost that what he says to you, how he leads you, how he protects you, how he goes before you, how he's your rear guard, that he resurrects you always. It may appear like you're going to die and those around you are going to die. But if you are following and, and trusting in how the Lord is speaking to you, how the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray, and, and, and whether it's a nation, whether it is a, a, a city, a state, a church, a school, a workplace, the Lord will resurrect you. Amen? And so the importance of this is that Jesus, the mission of Christ wasn't over. The taking of the keys of sin and death was part of it. He took back the authority, but now he had to give it to you. And so the instruction that Jesus gave next is important. After he resurrected, after he, after he ascended out of hell, right? He came out of the tomb. He appears before men. He walks on the earth for 40 days and then he ascends into heaven. And before he ascends into heaven, he says this in, in Luke uh, 2449. He says, do not leave this city. And that's a command. Do not leave the city. You are not ready. You are not equipped. There is no way you can do what I'm calling you to do. There's no way that you'll even be able to stand in the evil day. There's no way because you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus ascends into heaven. Right? And then 10 days later, which is 50 days after, after uh, the, the crucifixion, is the day of Pentecost. And the mighty rushing wind came upon them, right? And they are clothed. It says they are clothed in power. They are equipped in the power of the Holy Ghost. The same power that was on Christ when, he, when, when the dove came on Christ, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, in the river Jordan, as a symbol that the equipping comes out of heaven. Jesus, Jesus went daily. It says in John 5, 19, that he went to hear his father's voice. He didn't do anything unless the father showed him, revealed to him. And then Jesus went and did it. And under that authority, Jesus conquered the earth. He conquered sin, death, and hell. He conquered Satan everywhere he went. Demons were driven out. Despair was driven out. Disease was driven out. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't accomplish because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus knew. He told the, the believers, the 120 believers that ended up in the upper room. It wasn't, read Acts chapter 1. It wasn't just the 11 remaining uh, apostles. It was 120 people. That's believers, that's teachers, that's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. That's the common man, right? Us, the common man, is baptized in the Holy Ghost. When they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, suddenly Peter stands up and speaks in front of a city 
that literally was ready to crucify him and he denied Christ on the night of the crucifixion three times. Suddenly in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he stands up and says, this is that. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Jewel, that you would dream dreams and have visions, that you would see what the Lord is, is doing. And out of that will come an authority because the Pharisees thought that they were drunk right? They thought, they thought they were out of their mind, but Peter says, no, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So now there's a boldness on Peter because he's baptized in the Holy Ghost. There is evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's boldness and the presence of God with Peter, right? Peter goes into the world doing supernatural things. How do you, make, how do you take a guy bound in fear even when he's in the presence of Jesus Christ and then he becomes fearless. The only thing is the Holy Ghost. And that is what happens to people's lives who are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Okay, that is the victory. The ultimate victory of the cross is you baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the prophecy from Hebrews chapter 8 that the Lord would put his law, he would put his flowing river, meaning that you would have continuous access to the voice of God, that you would have the dream of the Lord, the vision of the Lord, prophecy, tongues, the laying on of hands, the casting out of devils, all of that supernatural stuff is where the Lord would lead you to impart to the people. Because Jesus said this, this is my mission statement, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's, he's saying the river is in me. I hear my father's voice. The river is in me. I'm anointed, right? To open prison doors, to break chains, to preach the gospel, to see the supernatural. And that ultimately is the revelation of the cross. That it wasn't just Jesus going to the cross because you're a bad sinner. It was ultimately because you were separated from God. And there was a need of a savior. And I'm speaking to you right now. There are many under the sound of my voice. I don't care if you've been sitting in church for 20, 30 plus years. If you don't hear him, you're fooled. You are deceived. You have been tricked by false doctrine or a, a, just a, a, a genuine false intent of dead religion. I don't call if they I don't care if they have a cross in their front door. I don't care if they say they say they're a Christian. If the, if there's powerlessness and even 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 if people are willing to pray and they say things like, "Oh Lord, if it's your will." Why 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 do you think that that does something internally with me? That that actually irks my spirit when I hear people say, Oh, woe is me. I'm just a sinner. And Lord, if it's your will. No. Does the Bible not say his will is that you would be healed, that you would be delivered, that you would be restored? Doesn't Joel chapter two in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, doesn't that also say that I will restore to you the years that the locusts have stolen, that I will break off of you the curse. I will break off of you the destroying locusts, the cutting locusts, the avenging locusts. The, the, the locust of destruction, every realm of evil that separates and, and causes just the, the brokenness in man, the Lord promises that he will restore you. And if you are restored, then you are awakened to restore others around you. And a person who is anointed and knows that they are a new creature does not pray 
like a man outside of the castle, like a man outside of the kingdom saying, I hope I get in. I pray. I hope if it's your will, Lord, no, a son or daughter who is inside the castle, right? Are you getting me? If you are in the kingdom, if you are in the realm of heaven, because your spirit is baptized in the Holy Ghost and you are hearing the flow, you are hearing the voice of God flow through you. You are having dreams. You are having visions. You are a powerful force on earth. The devil, can I tell you something? The devil is afraid of one man or one woman who has the flow of the Holy Ghost. But you know why? Because that's the person who prays with authority. That's the person who knows that they have been granted the authority under Mark 16 that says, go into the world and preach the gospel. And these signs will follow those that believe. You will pray in tongues. You will cast out devils. You will heal the sick. You will take up serpents, meaning that you will take on the devil. You will actually hunt people who are bound with, with dyslexia, bound with, with a depression and, and, a, and, a, and a, an anxiety that's keep, that keeps people um, just captive in brokenness. You will hunt them down because you have an authority in you to drive demons out of people. You have an authority in you to command them to be healed, to command them to see, to command them to hear, right? That is the difference between a person who thinks they're saved because they go to church, but they pray like they're on the outside of the castle of the kingdom of God versus somebody who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost and knows because they hear the Father's voice continuously. That is the prophecy of the new covenant. And you have to ask yourself the question, am I in the new covenant or am I trying religiously to meet the conditions of the law? That is the number one thing that irks me as I preach and minister and go to churches is that the degree and number of people bound in powerlessness is an epidemic. It's an absolute epidemic of powerlessness, especially in the American church, because most people, most theology is just come to the altar, say you believe, and that's it. When actually... The purpose and mission of the cross is for you to actually be equipped in the power of the Holy Ghost to hear his voice because those who hear his voice suddenly are new creatures. You are something that never existed before. You are in the authority and power of Christ. And when you speak to the mountain, the mountain is removed. Just like the Lord told Moses, Moses is, can you picture Moses has a nation behind him? He has the nation of Egypt hunting him down and he has his own people behind him. And Moses turns to the Lord in front of the Red Sea and he's begging God. And the Lord says, no, Moses, you lift up your rod and you part those waters. And that is what the Lord is saying today to the American church. I have died for you. I went to hell and took those keys for you. I took them so that you would have authority. And the only way that authority comes is if you wait on me and ask for my Holy Spirit and expect me to speak to you. That is the way authority and power come. Can I tell you this? That there's only one way that faith is imparted 
And faith is the only thing that drives demons out of people. Faith is the only thing that, that causes eyes to see and deaf ears to hear. It's faith. Faith comes from one thing. Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what a lot of people say? I'll just read your Bible and you're going to have faith. That's not really true, guys. Faith is a spiritual impartation. It is supernatural. It doesn't exist in this world, meaning the Holy Spirit has to impart it to you. How does he impart it to you? He encounters you. You go up that mountain. You desperately seek him. You pray. You fast. You pursue him. You hunt down the Holy Ghost. And when he speaks to you, you have been given power. You have been given authority. That word he speaks to you is what authority and power comes from. It's the only place that faith comes from. So let's review it again. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The word word, there's a word rhema. It actually means the direct voice, the imparted vision, the imparted dream, the prophecy, the word of knowledge. Okay? It's the voice of God. Faith comes from the voice of God. You cannot read enough scripture and decree enough scripture for faith. Faith only comes from hearing him, meaning that you have a relationship, not with a book, not with words on stone like the, like the, uh, like the Israelites settled for, but you hear his voice and the river flows in you and this power comes from inside of you to release upon the people and the nations because you have a relationship. One person in a true relationship with the Holy Ghost who seeks him, who needs him, who worships him, who depends on him is the most powerful weapon in the kingdom of God. Satan will fear you. Satan is afraid of somebody who knows the voice, who seeks the voice, who expects in the voice. You know why? Because the voice of God speaks into dark places. That's, that's, that's Genesis chapter one, right? The voice of God speaks into dark places and the darkness cannot stop it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness is at the mercy of the voice. So what's the most powerful weapon in the kingdom? Your relationship with the Holy Ghost. And when you hear him and he says, go to this city or go to that church or go down to McDonald's or this guy that sits beside you at work, speak this to him. And suddenly that guy's sitting there weeping. He's crying. He doesn't know what's going on. Why am I crying? Because the Lord is speaking to you through a prophetic voice. That's you guys. That's you. So I have to ask you a question. If you're going to pray for that, that sick person. And this, that we talked about this last night at, at uh, you know, with, with, with the people who are learning to, to grow in the Holy Spirit. I said, don't let me ever hear you again. Say, oh, if it's your will, Lord. No, no, you seek the Lord for that person. And when the Lord speaks to you, then you speak what the Lord said to you and you bring it into existence. You are the ambassador of Christ on earth. You are the new creature that never existed before. And Satan fears a person who knows who they are in Christ. Authority comes from those who pray. Authority comes from those who know the power of the new covenant, right? You see, a cleansed conscience 
is a, is a significant thing. A conscience is, is, is basically your mind. A mind that is sensitive to the voice of God is not subject to the conditions of the world. It's not subject to a bad economy. It's not subject to a disease or, or a doctor telling you you have maybe a year to live. And you're not subject to it. What you're subject to is what the Lord is speaking to you. Your conscience is no longer world-connected. Your conscience is connected to the Holy Ghost. That's a cleansed conscience. That is the power and the victory of the cross. So I encourage you, you get the keys by going into prayer. Those keys, that Je when Jesus took the keys of, of death and sin, it's symbolic. Jesus holds all keys. And Jesus said to Peter as they're walking down the road, he, he asked Peter a question pointedly, who do men say that I am? And all the disciples are, this is, this is Matthew 16, okay? He says, who do, who do men say that I am? And they're rattling off all these people. And suddenly Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Savior. You are the one sent to save the world. That is the meaning that the Jewish people grew up with, that there would one day be a Savior who they would no longer have to go to the law and the rituals of the synagogue following the conditions, right? Because Jesus, the Savior, would one day come. And what, what happened then? Jesus turned to Peter and said, upon this rock, meaning upon revelation, upon the revelation that you hear the Spirit, okay? When you hear the Spirit, you are granted all authority. And Jesus actually, he's explaining what happened to Peter because Peter was granted the revelation of Christ's victory that was going to come on the cross. And, and, and Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Meaning if you see the vision of the Lord and you release it, you prophesy it, right? When you speak it, you are actually binding a person to the vision and loosing them, right? Because the second part of what Jesus said is, whatever you loose on earth is, is already loosed in heaven. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He's actually awakening and prophesying that, that Peter would be a son of the Holy Ghost. That he would walk in the authority of the Holy Ghost. That he would speak what the Lord is saying and bind people to what the Lord is saying. And in the speaking of what the Lord is saying, the darkness would be loosed from the people. So he's actually saying, you will prophesy, you will pray, you will speak what the Lord is saying, Peter. And the darkness around you will fear you. And the people around you will be set free. And they too will become new creatures in Christ because you prophesy the word of the Lord. That gets back to why, why does Paul spend so much time in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 talking about the need of prophecy in the church? He says, do not be ignorant of the gifts. Do not be ignorant. Chase after with all your heart is what he's saying. He says, I, I wish you all pray in tongues even more that you prophesy. He says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because prophecy and words of knowledge are symbolic of the river flowing out of your heart because you have a relationship with him. You see, the gifts shouldn't be a unique thing for only a select few. Paul says, I pray that you all 
pray in tongues. I wish that you all pray in tongues even more that you prophesy. That means that you should desire prophecy as an outcome of your relationship with the Lord. All prophecy is, is you become so in tune with the vision of the Lord that what he says to you flows out of you like a river. And so he starts sending you places. When I learned, when I started learning to prophesy, I would stand in front of people. I, I got put on a prayer team. Okay. And I would lay my hand on people and the Lord started to give me visions and I would speak the visions. People would start screaming. Demons would start flying out of people. Um, people would get baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was all connected to the vision of the Lord. No longer was my conscience bound to darkness, but somehow I'm standing in front of people and I'm praying the vision of the Lord and the supernatural is being released all around me. And suddenly the Lord starts to send me to convenience stores. He sends me to Walmart. He sends me to these small individual one-on-one -on -one things. That ultimately led to sending me to India, standing in front of thousands of people, sending me to churches. But that is because the Lord, the, the goal of the Lord is that you all prophesy, that you all walk in the power and the authority of Christ. And it's not like this some unique thing like, oh, that guy is a prophet. He's, he, that's a unique thing. Listen, there are, there are people appointed to lead bigger groups and, and strategy and those type of things. But you as a body inside the church, if you read, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, you as a body are called to flow in every gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse why any of you don't pray in tongues, don't interpret tongues, don't prophesy, don't lay hands on the sick and see them recover, don't discern, don't have visions, don't have dreams. Because that is all the outcrop of a cleansed conscience. Amen? So, the purpose of this is not to convict you. The purpose of this is to convince you that if you are more aligned with the powerless prayer or don't even pray at all, you've been duped. You've been sitting in a pew all your life and you don't even know who you are. And you are in need of the Holy Ghost. Because everything I just preached in this message is about you knowing that you are a supernatural creature in Christ, the likes of which has never existed ever before. The, the old has passed away, the brokenness, the inability has all passed away because you now have a connection face to face with the Holy Ghost through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You pray in tongues, you know how to pray, you know how to search Him out in the nighttime, you hear His voice and you are sent places. That's the punchline, guys. You are the ambassador of Christ. You are the one who's called to walk on earth in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's just take a minute to pray. I'm going to pray for you. All right. So, Father, I just, I just pray in the name of Jesus for every person under the sound of my voice, every person in this room and every person listening um, through a podcast. Lord, I pray right now. Um, Lord, as people are being convicted of powerlessness, which is the false image, it's, it is truly not a representation of Christ and, and the new authority and power that Christ gives in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for every person um, in that condition right now that they would meet you face to face, that they would truly encounter the one 
whose blood has washed them clean, made them white as snow, made them supernatural, made them able to hear your voice, sensitive to the presence of God, drawn into prayer, drawn into fasting, drawn to care for people, drawn to pray for people, drawn to discover who they really are in Christ. Lord, I pray for every person right now hearing this. Lord, that the, that the dreams and visions that you promised in Joel chapter 2 in the outpour of the Holy Spirit would come upon them now, now, now in the name of Jesus. I command every person hearing this right now that you are regenerated, that you are reinvigorated, that you have received the impartation of the, of the flowing river of the Holy Ghost and that your conscience no longer draws you to look backward, draws you to look back at that broken thing, that one who, who, who was raped, that one who was, who was set aside, that one who was left an orphan, that one that had no purpose and calling. I break that lie off of you. Because I call your conscience cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus. And I decree you are a son. You are a daughter of Almighty God. You are ambassador of Christ. You are inside the walls of the castle and not on the outside looking in. You know what it's like to be a son of God. You know what it's like to be a daughter of God. To hear his voice and to know that you have been made new. That you have been regenerated. That you have been anointed in the authority of power in Christ, that you are not a powerless thing, but your voice is the extension of the vision and the dream that the Lord puts in your heart. So I say to you right now, you were born to prophesy. You were born to lay hands on the sick. You were born to cast out devils. You were born again. In fact, you are going to have a true revelation of what Jesus said, that you must be born again. Because in John chapter 3 verse 7, it says, those who were born again are moved by the wind of the Holy Ghost. The river of the Holy Ghost is flowing in you and you no longer will just be a powerless one sitting in a pew without a purpose, thinking that all you're destined to do is be entertained by that guy in the pulpit. You are going to have a vision of the Lord. You are going to have a dream. You are going to be called to do something supernatural. You're going to speak into the darkness of the people around you. They're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered. They're going to encounter the living God because of you in a relationship with the presence and the voice of the Holy Spirit. You are the one the Lord is calling right now to ascend that mountain. No longer will you settle for just words on paper, but you are the one who seeks after the living voice, the river of the Holy Ghost, and you right now are being made a supernatural creature in Christ. Lord, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to come on every person right now, every person who's never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I pray for the fire of the Holy Ghost to come on them right now. I command you to pray in tongues. I command you to prophesy right now in Jesus' name. I encourage you right now, go go, go on the Charisma website, go on the uh, the podcast on on, on uh, Apple um, and and get get my teachings on the Holy Spirit. I believe it's uh, sessions one through five um, in the School of the Holy Spirit. If if you get on there and search David Cuppet School of the Holy Spirit and you you uh, look up um, 
the first five sessions, I spend a lot of time talking about why the Lord gives you the gift of tongues. Many of you right now are being activated in the gift of tongues, and you are going to fall in love with the voice of the Holy Spirit and why the Lord gives you His voice to pray in tongues, which leads to prophecy, that leads to the supernatural. Many of you are going to pray. Many of you are going to fall so in love supernatural with the Holy Ghost that you're going to pray for hours and hours. You're going to be woken up in the middle of the night. You are going to pray and pray and pray in the gift of tongues and visions are going to flood your heart. The voice of God is going to, is going to seek you out in, in the nighttime and you are going to be something that even your relatives don't even know who you are, especially your relatives because they know all the bad junk and the limitations of your old life. So Father in Jesus name, I pray for every person who does not pray in tongues right now, activate the gift of tongues in them, that they would pray in tongues and they would prophesy and that the power of the Holy Ghost, that they would, they would lay hands on the sick, that, that, that they would seek people out in need of deliverance because of their revelation of the power and the authority of Christ. Lord, those people right now in the unction of the Holy Ghost, I pray, Lord, that the gift of tongues begin to flow. I command it to flow out of you right now. Pray with me. That's it. Come on, pray. Don't think. Pray. Let it flow out of your heart. The river will flow out of your heart, not your mind. It's out of your spirit. So pray with me. I encourage you. Many of you are having encounters. Many of you um, are going to have dreams and visions like you've never had before. So I just encourage you, seek the Lord with all your heart, all your mind. If you're in, uh, um, if you're in Toledo, um, uh, uh, seek me out, email me. My information's on the Charisma podcast or, or in my books. Email me. Uh, get on the Five Stone Ministries website. Get in touch with me. Um, or if you're a pastor and uh, you, would, you would like your church to be awakened in the power of the Holy Ghost, message me. I, I go to churches all the time when I'm not in India and I'm not planning things in, in India. Um, I work with different pastors here in the U.S., so I encourage you, if you're a pastor and you are ready for a transformation in your church, call me, and I fully believe that the Lord is going to be doing supernatural things, not only in individuals, but in entire bodies. So, Father, in Jesus' name, just let the grace of the authority of Christ come upon every person that's listening to this right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestonesministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Transfigured, The Call of the Horsemen to Awaken the Church, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.